Greetings, uh, this is Mark Twight, and welcome to uh, another episode of the Dissect Podcast, and uh, got to make a record a little caveat for the introduction today, because uh, when we recorded the following episode, we had five people in the room and four hot mics. <laughs> it's an unfortunate technical glitch, but uh, I've done the best to mix up the sound, and Sadly, um, it was Erin whose mic wasn't hot, so she does sound like she's in the back of the room, but do uh, bear with us on this because the rest of the content is uh, is pretty pretty astounding. Uh, hope you enjoy it. This is Erin Blevins, standing in for Mark Twight today on the Dissect Podcast. You <laughs> might kill me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are basically the same, so yeah. this works perfectly. Sounds about the right. I just don't have $50 words, like oh. Jeremy Jones put it. A 50. <laughs> Mine are only $11 words. Um, we have kind of a, a, a an impromptu podcast today because we have some friends in town. Uh, Margot Alvarez yes. uh, is in town, a multiple-time games athlete, and uh, he's joined by Alex. Pronounce your last name for me again, Alex. Cardenas, Cardenas. or in Mexico, it's Cardenas. Ah, so just keep it the keep it that pronunciation because that's amazing. <laughs> that's like. Really impressive. <laughs> in this, when you said it the second time before, when I was double checking and trying to, sell, I'm not even going to try to mimic that. That's all I had to say. That would have been funny if you did, though. <laughs> and speaking of which, we're also joined with Keegan Dillon. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so these guys don't know what kind of rabbit holes I like to go down to. So that's your job to keep me out of them because nobody oh, else here is familiar. So I'm really standing in for Mark. Aaron has no control over this situation. (laughs) It works. So you're in town for regionals, Margo, um, which um, is kind of nerve wracking, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's adrenaline and nerves that kick in, but I try to just stay calm and collected as long as possible. Mm. Um, All the work's done, and so now it's just about going out there and executing and doing what we got to do. That is what we call confidence from training, (laughs) which is different than what most CrossFitters do, which is insecurity before training in which they try to double down on everything Everything. days before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like, I think it's perfect because it's like you look at all the time it's passed and you've done all the work, you've put in all the effort, you've done what you've needed to do up at this, up until this point. And now it's like, all right, there's nothing else you can really do. You can go over strategy and plan and just memorize the workouts. But after that, it's just like, all right, let's get on the field and three, two, one, go. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you put so up put a cool post the other day about, uh, I think it was Monday or whatever, about how the work's been done mm-hmm. and you can't do anything from this point forward. And I heard Louis Simmons say a long time ago, like the hay is in the barn. Yeah. Like before mm-hmm. you come to like a powerlifting meet, like there's nothing you can do a week or two before a meet besides hurt yourself or fuck yourself up. Totally. Yeah, yeah. As far as improvement goes, at least in a gym, you're pretty much where you are. Yeah. That's a voice of experience. Like yeah. in, in any sport that you take this in, is like, well, I, I call it the 10 days out thing. The 10 yeah. days out, the only thing you can do really is fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like depend if everything out went as well as it could have, given the circumstances of a training block. Yeah. 10 days before is the is the time to be smart. For exactly. Sure. And like you said, like, yeah, you can hurt yourself or mm. there's not much else in terms of physically putting the time in the gym. You can go over strategy or maybe how you want to break things down or mm-hmm. break parts and pieces of the workout but it's like you know you can do all the work we've done it up until this point so now it's like all right just 
be confident in your mind, focus on what your training has done up until this point, and then it can go out there and just visualize what you are going to do in that workout. And obviously there's uncontrollables and unknowns, like certain details of the workouts, but we'll find those out the night before. And that's where you just kind of review them in your mind and then, all right, you know, go out there. And I try to remember, at least for myself, I'm, I can't speak for other competitors, but it's like it's an opportunity to be out in a field where a lot of people don't get the chance to be out there. Mm. And I try to make sure that I take, um, not advantage, but like I, t- I make the most of that opportunity and not take it for granted because things can change at the drop of a hat. <laughs> so I try to remember that when I'm out there. Nice. Yeah. That, that um, Your training is, is, I would say, different because I've, I've followed you for quite a while. Um, and admire that you have, from my point of view, it looks like you have a real appreciation for getting outside of the gym. Yes. Um, you live down in Southern Utah. You own a vineyard. Um, you like to mountain bike. Yes. So <laughs> Don't mountain do it biking, very often, but I like to. <laughs> sure. Mountain biking is one of them. Uh, trail running. Stuff that basically puts you outdoors. And that's one thing that we always try to push thing like people in a gym situation. This is like antithetical to any gym business. Yeah. Is like get out of here like oh (laughs) it sounds really bad but i think the result is something like um what people would maybe describe you as which is like oh you seem really well-rounded you seem confident you seem um like you're not burned out which is definitely a different thing when you're talking to an elite level crossfitter it's like for for the most part there's like this fine balance that i think i always see which is like somebody is so unbalanced that that makes them good at what they do or there's someone from what it appears as is like you have a really good work ethic which is i think a given for the sport given Mm -hmm. the the volume that's required yeah um but also an appreciation for the things that allows you to do can you kind of elaborate on some of the things that like gym fitness has allowed you to do i think gym fitness it's you need to have it for CrossFit specifically mm. in terms of training CrossFit because that's what the tests are. Mm. But I think it's really important, not just physically, but mentally being able to get outside of the gym, being able to do things outside the gym. Because again, your fitness, and for the majority of people that come into a gym, they're trying to stay a little healthier, get a little stronger, to go mountain biking or to go hiking or to go paddle boarding, whatever it may be. <laughs> um, and I think it's really important that people, and again, it's it depending on what, like who you're looking at, like you're looking at the average person, you're looking at people that are CrossFit athletes trying to get to the games. I think for myself, being able to get out of the gym and do something different, like I love to go golfing. I used to do it for 10 Hmm. years growing up and being outside of the gym and doing something completely different, it's it's revitalizing in a way because it gets my mind off of what I've been doing for long periods of time. But it's like, it gives me that balance that you talked about. It gives me that ability to go and take my fitness that I'm using in the gym and applying it outside. Like I love to be outdoors. I love to go, like I want to go hiking more. I want to go mountain biking more. I want to go trail running more. And I know obviously there's a time and place for it. Right now we're at a point where it's right before regionals. We know the tests, we know what we need to be doing. So we're focusing in that aspect. But I think it's, again, it's really important to take your yourself out of that gym and put yourself in an element that's a little different that maybe isn't ideal. Because it's funny, I think about it and I've talked to clients and people that I've coached. And it's like when you go out in fitness and you're like, oh, I'm going to go move a log out of the trail that I'm going to go run. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be an evenly loaded log, like an evenly loaded barbell. <laughs> but it's like you know the function. All right, I know how to move a barbell. I know how to deadlift it or I know how to pick it up. I can now pick up this log or whatever it is that's in my path. Yeah. So with the, with this sport, and I, I don't, uh, I'm not one of those people who um, will call CrossFit dangerous because I think there's more injuries that happen in in amateur running than there is probably any other sport in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a ballistic nature to it. Like there is, just given the amount of load 
uh, on very specific parts on the body, you're going to have some overuse injuries and whatnot. And that, that tends to come up. Like most, um, in my experience coaching uh, and working with uh, elite CrossFitters, uh, I'd have to say the majority of them are very, very broken before the age of 30. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you are very unhealthy. How do you, like, what is your approach when you think about the volume and the, and the requirements? You mentioned, like, this is a gym test. You yeah. obviously have to have these things squared away. What, what is the difference to your approach? How do you mitigate that? And if I'm wrong, tell me, like, I'm... Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, I've placed a precedence early on in, um, not in CrossFit, just in, just in CrossFit, but in training of mobility and stretching and taking care of my body. And people would kind of make fun of me in the beginning, like, oh, you're going to spend an hour doing mobility beforehand? Like, haha, why would you do that? But it's like, knock on wood, my body's been relatively healthy. I've been relatively healthy and be able to keep things at bay. But I think it's uh, I think it's important because a lot of people like they'll just kind of get to the gym like all right what are we gonna do like I'll do some arm swings some leg swings some squats okay I'm ready to go and then like halfway through the workout they're like oh man my sh- my shoulder or my back or my leg and I'm like and it it sounds kind of obscene like an hour but it's like I'm spending six to seven hours in the gym so an hour an hour and a half of mobility in the beginning is relative to the amount of training. Someone that's gonna go and train an hour in the gym, maybe they don't need an hour, maybe they need 10, 15 minutes. But I think putting emphasis on like back prehab or shoulder prehab, um, mobility, not just like static stretching, but like dynamic stuff, like Mm -hmm. movements, like shoulder exercises. Like I've done reverse flies, like YTIs, like front raises, side raises ever since I've started. And I think that's helped keep my shoulders healthy. Um, and help keep my body. I mean, yes, there's things that have come along the way. Like I've I've pulled numerous times when deadlifting, I've hurt my back, but that was actually from my hips being too tight because I was sitting for like 20 hours in two days. (laughs) So it was actually the sitting that hurt me, not the deadlifting, but it's like my body's gonna respond and say, hey, take a moment to like chill out for a second. But it's like, all right, I know how to get back and get healthy is doing my prehab, stretching out my hips. And I think that precedence of putting that hour, hour and a half mobility pretty religious in my training has helped me stay again relatively healthy now up until this point knock on wood so i think if i did the math you're talking about a 15 to 20 percent of your um i would i would call it your injury prevention like mm. your maintenance yeah, work um, and maybe there's a lot of priming in there too which allows you to do the things that you do um that's maybe a good indicator for people that don't know like oh should i do an hour of mobility if i have only work out three times a week for an hour that gives a really good precedence to like, no, like you're in there for an hour, take 15 minutes to, you know, figure some stuff out. Exactly. Um, would you think that that like people call it mobility because they just lay on a foam roller for like mm. 30 minutes and talk <laughs> on the phone? Yeah. To- yeah. yeah or the dude, that's, <laughs> that's where they Instagram the hardest. Um, oh, that's hilarious. But how you talk about it seems like this is a, a conscientious practice. This is something different. This is not, um, <laughs> this is not a passive thing that you yeah. are actively involved in trying to get to know your body during this process of priming. Is that kind of what you're Yeah, for to- sure. I think it's, I think that's something that's given me a lot of feedback personally. Like I, I know how my body feels cause I'm really in tune with it. And I think any athlete that spends a good amount of time on their body or understands how their body moves or doesn't move in space, I think they're a little maybe more in tune with it to the average person that maybe sits for 10 to 12 hours a day. And they're not really like, oh, my back hurts. It's probably cause you're sitting for 10 yeah. to 12 hours. Um, but I think it's, yeah, something that I'm active in. It's like, all right, I know I'm going to be doing not just static stretching, but I'm doing dynamic movements. I'm doing shoulder prehab exercises or glute bridges to activate my back that I'm getting my body primed for all the work that I'm going to do. 
And to kind of circle back what you said earlier, like obviously if someone's working out three days a week, it's like, oh, I need to do mobility an hour for those days. No, like <laughs> you don't need to do that much. And I've tried to refer it to when I've taught classes and individuals and even one-on-one coaching, said, hey, like think about it as brushing your teeth, right? You brush your teeth every day, right? two to three minutes. I don't know if you set a timer, but think of it as like that. All right, I'm going to stretch a few minutes every day, whether that's five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. You're not going to wait all week on Saturday and brush your teeth for 30 minutes. Like, I mean, you can totally <laughs> do that. No, I like to get it all in one day. Exactly. Yeah. And I used to say flossing your teeth, but not everyone flosses their teeth. So I'm like, all right, let's just stick to brushing that's your teeth. That's the most satisfying yeah. part is flossing your teeth. I know, like, that's right? That's the part I like. Feels good. Brushing I, is I got something stuck in my teeth. I need to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> I've got something stuck in my hip. <laughs> exactly lost my head yeah but yeah just something i think to relate to people because it's like they may seem form like why would i stretch my hamstrings or why would i want to do this and it's like you're doing some physical activity right think of it like okay maybe after the workout you'll stretch and you'll roll out mm -hmm. but think of something doing beforehand like let's do some squats or let's do some like light jogging or arm circles or arm swings um some deep, a little bit like active deep stretching like lunges to get your body moving and prime because it's like you're just going to go and put a put some load on the bar and then just squat that it's like your body's not really ready for that you know i yeah. mean everyone's obviously a little different like the younger you are if you had a like <laughs> i think again it, it's interesting because you see a lot of people a lot of teens now or even younger kids getting involved in crossfit mm -hmm. and their bodies obviously yeah like they're able to do that they have the flexibility but it's like their get bodies getting adapt over time and they're getting used to it versus someone that maybe is 50 and like you're trying to get them to squat and you're like oh man like you can barely get down two inches you know? <laughs> need more mobility than actual well you need more ability than mobility. exactly yeah. ability and just like in and, and it's it's tough because like we talk about in crossfit and like i teach level ones and we say you know not just stretching and mobilizing is good but like actually practicing the movement will help you get in that position but there are some people that are just so far like they just Either they have, and it's also hard because if they have an injury mm -hmm. or a physical limitation where they can't get that joint or that arm into a position, then obviously it's going to take a little longer. But I think, yeah, you got to practice those positions, especially if someone can't get into a squat. Like, cool, if you can't go all the way down there, that's okay. Let's just give you a little box for now to sit to, and then eventually over time we'll get you lower. So this, and this has been a subject, This we're going to cross a bunch of boundaries right now because, <laughs> I, um, A, I kind of want to get away from um, – gym stuff as quickly yeah. as possible totally no totally yeah <laughs> but you meant like and why i picked on the mobility thing because i i think there's a, a a correlation here that that i see often it's one of the hardest things i think to teach people is that what you're kind of talking about is conscientious practice mm -hmm. like being very aware in whatever you're doing and this is something that most people miss and in the gym allegory it's kind of like oh if i put the barbell on my back and it's heavy enough it'll do the work or and i'll just push against it yeah and and how it really works is you have to understand where the knurling is and where my fingers are and how my wrist is angled mm -hmm. and where my elbows are in relation to my lats and where my hip feels at the bottom and all the way down the whole chain needs to be involved and the whole yeah. thought process behind that is what actually makes you better when you're actively moving your body and trying to control it. And this is this is one of the interesting parts because I think a lot of people can get fit and they can get strong on accident. Like they can show up and laziness tends to help them a little bit, like especially in strength sports because they go do a couple sets. Yeah, that's good. I'll do some bicep curls and then go home. Yeah. And you have some people out there that are, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one being that, um, type one uh, muscle fiber follows sedentary first so you like if you're sedentary lifestyle the first thing that happens is they become dormant muscle fibers and they convert to fast twitch fibers 
So when they first come off the couch, you find people extremely strong right off the get-go, which is probably some weird adaptation from you know Long-term a million ago. years of yeah. evolution that somehow like I, I don't know if you if if you were sedentary back then you're probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you weren't, you needed to get up and move as fastly as possible. So exactly. I think there's some situation where that might make sense. Um, but it, in in this case, I find. Uh, you can, if you're not lazy, you can get into trouble quickly because you come off the couch and then you go zero to 60 yeah. without awareness or how your body moves. So there's this, uh, what we're big on, and, and I hate I hate to like almost mention it because it has like this weird Silicon Valley um, air around it when you say like conscious conscious training or like uh, suddenly I have a feng shui garden or a bonsai tree and I'm talking about some Zen philosophy and I'm not as it's just um, it seems like the correlation that I find between people that are highly successful and whatever even uh, physical activities or mental they're very highly aware of the intricacies of what they're trying to become good at Mm -hmm. and it sounds even just you mentioning the foam roller made me highly aware of like how much attention you pay to the details. Yeah. Is that something that you were aware of that you you understand? I think I definitely pay attention to details, not only in my physical training and what I'm doing and being aware. And I think this past year, Alex and I've spent a lot of time in my training just kind of breaking things down instead of just, hey, this is how we've always done our training. We're going to like take a step back. We're really going to focus like where is my body in space in relation to the bar when I'm Mm -hmm. snatching so I can get better. Like I need to improve my snatch. It's been the same weight for X amount of years. And it's like if I'm going to get better, I have to slow things down a little bit and spend a little bit more time looking to that detail. And I think for a lot of people that are in tune with their mind or are in tune with their body and they're willing to like really pay attention to it, they'll be able to have that kind of connection or that feng shui that you were saying, you know, like they understand where their body is in space. They have a little bit more understanding of what's going on around them. And I think the attention to detail is really important. Like if you go into a gym and you're able to pick out like, all right, I'm looking at that person. Or if you even like perfect example would be um, going to a grocery store. Like you're looking at different people and like kind of looking at their body or how they're moving. It's like, okay, like those details, do they really matter? Maybe not in the bigger picture, but I'm attuned to them. I can pick that out and I can kind of see that. And that can go into anything. It doesn't have to be just body movement, but like even job or like anything else that you're trying to work towards. So, and this is this is one of the reasons why uh, fitness, um, it escapes what normal people think about it. Because I think it speaks for you. Like mm-hmm. when you see somebody who moves well, it speaks for you. And it, it, it's a similar thing that I was taught in, uh, when I was a hairdresser is that it doesn't matter that you smoke. It doesn't matter your lifestyle. It matters that that person that you're working with doesn't know that you have a shitty lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. That you need to hide that because that ends all communication. Yeah. And so you have to project at least the ability to do these things well. And I think that the store example is really funny because um, – yeah go, go to a you can pick different populations yeah. we could do this in a whole foods we could do this in a walmart and you would probably see an average of bad move like given per capita of whatever population you're looking at yeah you could probably identify uh lifestyle associated with body movement or, and how people are aware of themselves mm-hmm. what they're taking off the shelf to put in the cart <laughs> and it's and it's tough because like i look at some people i'm like not to be judgmental but i'm like all right, this person doesn't look like they're very active or they Uh-oh. don't look like judging. No, I'm not judging, but it's like <laughs> they're not they're not doing something active. I'm like I'm thinking, man, like that's probably not, cupcakes aren't probably the best choice for them. Maybe this is should. a judgment zone. So <laughs> yeah, no, you're allowed to judge. You're you. totally fine. Sure. And it's tough cuz like <clears throat> I it's funny cuz people friends will say like, "Man, you're so nice." And like I feel like I'm a very 
genuine person like i try to treat others how i want to be treated mm -hmm. and i want to embody that it's like you know be respectful to others if nothing if you've done nothing wrong to them you know vice versa but it's like when i see people it's like man like you're not making the best decision for you i'm not going to go and say that like and tell you because it's not my place <laughs> and i told alex the other day we were in line and this guy at starbucks and this guy was like oh i think i'm gonna get a bagel and the guy's like, oh, let me get some, let me get some cream cheese with that. And the friend that was with him, I think they were in maybe in their fifties or sixties. His friend's like, oh man, that cream cheese, that's not a good choice. And I almost wanted to say to him, I was like, you know what, that cream cheese is probably better than the bagel. <laughs> yeah, just eat the cream cheese with the spoon. <laughs> yeah, and like, You'll be good. they didn't look overweight, like they looked relatively like thin or in shape. But it's it's tough because I'm thinking like, if you look at our society and what we had in terms of like what's healthy, you know, oh, whole grain bagel, of course that's healthy. And so again, like, I'm not gonna be like, hey man, you shouldn't eat that bagel, it's not good for you. Um, again, everyone's different, cause it's like for me, eating a, a, a whole grain bagel with cream cheese is fine because my diet is different, but my goals are different, my training is different for someone, I don't know who, what he does or who he is, but it's just like, okay, like you, you see that situation, you're kind of aware of those different details of those aware of those different situations. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go just to like being health, healthy or like what you're eating. But I see people and I'm like, man, like they can barely walk because they probably had a not so good diet or lifestyle. And you can see it in their body, like their feet are swollen, like they're having to use assistance. And I was like, man, like I wish I could help them in some way, yeah. but it's like, me helping them and telling them hey man like just stay to the outside of the perimeter of the grocery like don't even go to those aisles like they're probably going to think like oh who's this lady telling me this like yeah, yeah she's some arrogant yeah. yeah she's some arrogant prick <laughs> thinking like oh what she's going to tell me is going to help my life and it's like hey man i'm sorry well yeah and i was going to say it's not the cream cheese or the whole grain bagel it's the like 45 years of cream cheese and yeah. bagels without any yeah. other thing to negate it. Probably yeah. the latte they also got with that bagel. <laughs> yeah. But real quick, <laughs> yeah. I want to circle back to you kind of talking about taking a step back, working on technique, that kind of stuff, and you're talking about your snatch. Because the biggest thing I found like with my athletes or anybody Alex has worked with in gymnastics or things like that, it's almost like the more fit people think they are, perceive they are, the less they want to work on the little things. And like, I feel like it speaks to you as an athlete. Alex is a coach, even though he's probably not going to want me to say that. You guys can like <laughs> set the ego aside and recognize like, okay, hold on. Like we can do a lot of these or like, you know, you're stronger than 90% of the population, but it's like, okay, we need to improve upon that. How mm -hmm. do we do that? And Michael and I were talking about, uh, I had an athlete in here yesterday and her muscle ups have gotten better, but you can kind of tell when she goes through them that like in her head, the muscle up is hanging under the bar and then being on top of the bar. Mm -hmm. And like you try to get them to drill the shit in between all that, which is the most important. Yeah. And they're like, no, I just want to do muscle ups or no, I just want to snatch the bar. Yeah. And it's kind of like as they get more fit, they're more resistant to wanting to stop, take a step back and actually improve upon those things. And usually it takes an injury or something like that for them to do that. So I just kind of wanted to like create awareness around that because I really don't think there's enough people that like take the time to do the small things. Mm -hmm. We have a hierarchy of training. So we start, it's like a pyramid. We start with uh, psychology and then <laughs> nutrition and then mobility. So before you're even doing anything CrossFit, we're focusing on those three things. So I think that's where we get a lot of success with our athletes is, you know, don't be, don't be validating on Instagram. 
just let's work on the little things. Wait, when does Fran happen? <laughs> um, right? Yeah. Like and I, to create more awareness <laughs> to a moment, am I the first person that's ever gotten Alex to speak on a podcast? I think so. Uh, no, yeah, I think second, second, yeah. Ben, ben did it. it ben, yeah, Ben yeah. Alderman got He's, him to talk right, first. quiet <laughs> but powerful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, so that's one of the things that's highlighted, um, you know, in our career working with, honestly, you, you think uh, CrossFit gets bad, but people will... <laughs> people will look at superhero and actor training in the most ridiculous manner. I mean, they want the secret workouts. They oh, want right. the yeah. how to do it fast, how to do it better, how to how to get abs. Yeah, how do I get abs and still maintain this hacky sack lifestyle? Paleo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever the thing is. And so there is like maybe I'm losing all my empathy. But when I walk through a store, what I want to be surrounded with by are are at least people who want to try. Yeah, and that's all I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And we we have some experience of people that reach out to us. We we recently had Clark on here who we took through a transformation. Awesome. And he, I, I have to be honest. I didn't think he had the tools to do it to begin with, and I did it anyway because I'm egotistical and I think that I can change people. (laughs) (laughs) And Aaron wanted to do it and Paul wanted to do it. So we, we took this guy through a transformation. But it's funny because you talk about the details because the reason that I was alarmed was because of the socks he was wearing. I did socks? not want to work with him because of the socks. What kind of socks? He had loose socks. socks. Like loose yeah. crew socks. Yeah, like awesome. socks that were bunched around his ankle. And I was oh like, gosh. what the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> first of all, doesn't that bother you? And if you're not aware of that, what else are you not aware of? And it yeah. just became a signpost for like so a personality. And so I told him he had to change his socks. Otherwise, he's not allowed back in there. And it's one of those rules. Yeah, he did. He changed his socks. And it's one of those things. And then I asked him, what, like, what kind of music do you want to listen to when you train? He was like, oh, I don't know. Michael Jackson? I was like, what? What's wrong with you? I didn't like, know that part. That's funny. Oh, like, that doesn't come from like at all you are one point away from being a pedophile first of all like that <laughs> between the socks and the between, choice of music well it's like the rule you can have a ponytail you can have a mustache you can wear a pink polo shirt but you can't have them all yeah like you can't have, have to separate all three them. together no. he, he was about to break the rules the, the funny part now is uh now talking to him he's 70 pounds lighter and that's awesome and four months that's the amazing. mindset in talking to him last night because we're now showing him some like functional bodybuilding kind of stuff to so he can enjoy the process a little bit more as opposed to just like beat down after day after day and us ridiculing him endlessly. Um, But what he mentioned first and foremost was the attention that he pays to things now. Like he now reads magazine articles different, like how he looks at food and how he travels and how he's just like, Oh, it's just different because I have to, you know, pay attention. And I was like, uh, can you just say that into a microphone and then yeah. we can send that to every article that's asked how to get a Superman physique mm-hmm. and we can be done with it. So yeah. like you pay attention and then you get this. And whatever that means, you, you paying attention also uh, incites the fact that you have to figure out what you need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And whether we're talking about snatching, cleaning, jerking, or losing weight, or making the games, all we're talking about are details and levels of details. Yeah. Um, well, the coolest I thing I found with Clark, because I'm obviously... I probably love the assault bike more than most people. And Clark's one of Clark's tests to get back into the gym after his weight loss was he had to do a 10-minute test on the assault bike, and he had to hit body weight or within 10% of body weight. 
in 10 minutes on the bike. So he was 175 or whatever. And he knew that. So he had left the gym for a month based on what they had arranged. And you guys can get into that. In She's a probably so confused right now. But, all of a <laughs> like but like he's sitting over there and I was sitting where you are. And he was just talking about how like he was at a gym by himself and he sat on an assault bike and he like just started calculating what it would take like per minute to hit what he needed to hit in 10 minutes and like noticing the RPMs or the Watts or like whatever it took to maintain. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, you're talking about pacing mm. and like via the internet or whatever, or, you know, what, like I can't get athletes to think about it like that. Mm-hmm. And you've been in a gym in your entire life for fucking four months and you're sitting by yourself, not with anybody's help. And I mean, it's a testament to Paul and Michael for like kind of ingraining that kind of stuff in him and teaching him how to do that. But I was like, Holy shit. Like you figured that all out on your own for the most part with some guidance. Yeah. And I thought it was super cool. Cause it was more than just, you know, how do I eat? tell me what to do and just mindlessness. Like he was actually being very mindful of what he needed to do to get back into this place. Yeah. Being proactive. Yeah. And I think that's something, and Alex and I talked a lot about it before. It's like, you look at people that come into the gym, they obviously take the initiative them, themselves, but how do you get the people that really don't have that initiative or don't have that desire? How do you get to convince them to come in and not to call them lazy, but it's like, if they're not proactive and they don't have a desire, what's going to spark the interest to actually come in or what's going to spark them to make a transformation say, Hey, I'm going to cut out ice cream for the next 30 days or whatever, or I'm going to eat just vegetables and meat and nuts and seeds and cut out all that processed food. Like what's the mentality? Like, do they really care? Are they really lazy? Do they not give a fuck? Do they just want to, I just want to go through life and be happy. Nothing's wrong with that. But it's like, does that lead you down to a spot where like you're unhappy or get you to the point where you're not around for your kids? If that's another goal of yours. Yep. So here's where it gets weird. <laughs> I'm about to go down in a, a, rabbit, in hole. a rabbit hole. What you talk like what you essentially just said, and this is a very hard thing to do as somebody who like intuitively or has learned to be compassionate about people's situation. I've also had to learn that there is no such thing as willing somebody to will that there is no control over this and that, um, you know, we might think that inspiration will help. Hey, if they see that somebody else can do it, they might be motivated to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, it's come down to, and this is a fairly defeatist point of view, especially in this industry from like people that want to raw, raw and change people. But yeah. um, you have to jump that barrier um, from will to will. I, I can um, show you once you're willing to work how to do all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't at this point think it's even within our control to have that will. And it, it, it might be a bunch of uncontrollable environmental things. Um, starting with genetics and first exposure to work and and reward and uh, punishment and all those things because I I definitely didn't come at it from a healthy perspective. It was, um, man, I'm gonna run every day because I don't want my dad to call me fat anymore <laughs> because that that's a hard thing to go through. And it was just yeah. like an eighth grade chubby kid. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a weird thing, but I did my first Atkins diet when I was 14 wow. because it got onto this like, okay, I need to change. I don't look the way I wanna look. I don't want yeah. All of those, whether I want to attribute it to the negative thing that I got from my dad or the positive thing that I found from like being able to be capable on my own, I don't know which is which. And I think um, people understanding that, that uh, because most people will denote it like, oh, you don't go to the gym because you're lazy. And I was like, eh, that, it's just not interesting to most yeah. people. And I have more compassion for that than anybody. Like the gym ultimately is so fucking boring to me. I, it allows you to do great things. Yeah. And that, that's, 
that's well respected. That's well continued to use it as a tool. But I will never put it up on this moniker because this becomes a problem too. You get um, drill sergeant-esque boot camp, whatever you want to call it, that are just screaming at people or the opposite of the you know wannabe self-help guru that um, <laughs> thinks that they can change everything <laughs> through the power of you know bicep curls or whatever. Yeah. I mean, both those aspects, I think, uh, miss the point completely. And, that, and that's why, like, this seems defeatist because I go, there is no such thing. Like, there's no such thing as inspiration. There's no such thing. It, there is tiny little in, environmental changes. So, like, when I met Keegan, uh, well, I met him a couple years ago on a podcast that I did uh, with guys that he was working with. And then I never I never met him. I just looked at his Instagram one time. I was like, oh, he's a fuck big dude. He's a power lifter. <laughs> and then I was like, I just wanted to know who I was talking to. Yeah. And then I kind of never talked to him. And a couple months ago, he reached out. And apparently, he had been following all the fucking bananas shit that I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so he mentioned, like, something about coaching and taking him through this thing. And it's it's weird because um, what I think that I like to identify is, is somebody has, like, an inkling. Like, they have this itch. And I can, like, show them where to scratch a little bit. That's yeah. coaching to me. But they need that first drive. Uh, and his – I, I knew – that initially to get him where he, I think he, he wanted to go, he needed some environmental changes. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of what I expressed in the first little thing. I was like, you don't need a coach, dude. You need like a purpose. Like, that's the first thing. Yeah. Don't go into a gym. Don't try to just attach yourself to another group. Like really figure out what, what you want to do and why you want to do it and then go down whatever that leads you. And then discover for yourself what that can get you. And that's a big part of what we teach uh, is discovery as opposed to um, – like goal accomplishment and all this nonsense that people will put in uh, Wall Street books or whatever, like <laughs> control yeah. your future. There's no such thing. Like, and I could express the same thing. Did you ever think you would be here, not in this room, but like as an athlete, did you, you know? First thing she told me was, hey, I'm Margo, I'm going to the games. Yeah, right? so. When we met? Yeah, so to backpedal a little bit, like mm-hmm. if you were to say back before I found CrossFit, like, well, do you, if I, did you ever think you're gonna be a five times games athlete? Mm-hmm. I'd probably be like, no. Like, what's CrossFit? Like, what's a games athlete? I would have no idea what that was. But I I was involved in health and fitness because mm-hmm. I liked it. It was intriguing. And I think once I got involved in CrossFit, I, like, I became that Kool-Aid drinking girl where I was like, I love everything about it. Like, almost to the point where I was obsessed with, I was on the outside, like, and I probably had friends who were like, whoa, Margo, like, put the brakes on, like, your little cuckoo over there. Like, there's a You're video. You're wearing Nikes. You're <laughs> off in the jungle with a weird group of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But it's like I became so, like, when I saw it and when I had volunteered, I was like, man, like, I want to do that. Like, I want to try and put myself on that level. That level. I want to try to challenge myself to see if I can do that. I could barely probably clean and jerk 135 or 145, and they were probably doing that for reps of the games of that year. But it's like I was so enamored with that. Like I wanted that. But it's like I wanted that personally. No one pushed me to that. No one said, okay, try and get this. But it's like that was when I met him. I professed. I was like, I, Mar- Margo, I love CrossFit. I'm going to the games. And he's like, that's cool. I go every year too and watch. <laughs> <laughs> I do. What, what do you think? What, what, what do you think knowing uh, kind of in retrospect, what was a big catalyst for that, that feeling or that, like, what was the thought pattern? What was the thing that you wanted? Was it an identity that you wanted? Was it uh, someone that you admired that you saw how they worked and they, you know, oh, I want to beat that? That's a great question because I've had people ask me like, oh, you know, out of the games athletes, when you first started, like, who did you look up to? I'm like, man, there wasn't 
there was people that I thought were really cool, and one of them was Jenny LeBall. Like, mm. she's someone that's really involved. She went to the games in 2011 and 12. She's a very outdoors person. Li- has lived in, um, was raised in Colorado, lived in California. Now I think she's making her way back to Colorado. But it wasn't someone that I just like looked up to her. But I was like, man, like look at these women. Like that's so awesome. It, I think because I was so new to CrossFit, I'd never really lifted before. I'd done like workouts with dumbbells and like the cable crosses and regular gyms. And I just, I think it was so different that I was like, man, this is cool. It kind of gave me like that euphoric feeling like this is so different. Like I want to try and do that. Like it was, I remember in 2011 watching like Katie Hogan and Becca Voigt like line up for the, the thruster ladder. And I was like, man, like I can't even lift that way. Like, holy shit, these girls are strong. And it wasn't, I think that like I wanted to become strong or I want to become a games athlete. I just wanted to try something new and get myself to a different level. And I think... Before I even got to CrossFit, like I, I did like a, a couple half marathons and I did those obstacle races, the Tough Mudders and the Spartan races, and I loved that. And I think I just wanted to push myself into a ch- like into a challenge of something different and something new. And it's interesting, like thinking about it now, like looking back, like why did I always want to challenge myself? Why did I always put myself in a position that I tried to challenge myself? Like, what was it? Did I thrive on that? Was I raised like that? I think. And growing up, I always tried different sports and different things, and the two that I did a lot through a junior high and high school was volleyball and golf. And I did horseback riding and ballet up until about, I think I was like 10, 12. But it's like, it was always something different, always something new. And I think I wanted to do something different and new. And I think that's where I'm at the point now. Like I love CrossFit and I've done it for so long. Like it's great, but it's like, I kind of want to do something new. I want to do something different. Like, I'm, I don't know why I like, I feel like I'm seeking something that I haven't done before to do it, not for anyone else, but just for myself, like whether I continue to stay in that sport or that industry or whatever it may be for years, or if I just do it for a little bit. Like original goal of mine was to run a a full marathon with my friends. And they're like, hey, we're gonna run a full marathon. I was like, cool, I'll run one with you guys. Like we're gonna do a couple halves to lead up to it. I was like, sure, sweet, I'll do that too. That's probably smart. I shouldn't just go straight into a full. It's pure pressure. Yeah, but I was like, (laughs) once I run the the ran the half marathons, I was like, I'm good. Like, I don't think I want a full marathon. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I got what I needed. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like, why do I constantly am pushing or challenging to do something different or expand what I've currently done? I don't know if I have a specific answer for that. Like, it's, I think, just something challenging myself to see, like, what I'm capable of. If I succeed, awesome. If, if not, then at least I gave it a shot. There's that word again. It. Hmm. capable i think that's a really cool point though something we've been missing though is the is the catalyst right like you know we got this mantra that says be accountable what is it prepare yeah be be accountable prepare and execute review your work um be patient and enjoy the journey right so we got that covered but you know i never stood back to and i and actually i have when you work in the intensive care unit you see patients that are really sick and you're you're trying to figure out how do you help these people and they don't have that catalyst that why kind of a thing so that's kind of a Thing that I, that it's really important to have and how do you get that and how do you help people enjoy or not enjoy but get that as well that's interesting there's a go ahead Aaron. uh i was just gonna say like obviously 2013 was your first year at the games right mm-hmm. correct yeah so you were super stoked wanted to shoot for 2014 what kept you going on you know 2015 2016 i think from 2014 i qualified that year and i was like man i could i did it again like awesome and then i broke my first rib two weeks later uh, i think it was just from like tons of strict handstand push-ups prepping for regionals and there was a lot of stress and then it broke and i was like well like i'm not gonna not go i, I put all this effort <laughs> in, i know it sounds kind of crazy but i put all this effort and time to getting to something and i'm like i'm still gonna go and do what i can and then i think in 2014 was I finished, I think, like, 34th or 35th. 
and I was like, man, like I just felt like I was capable of doing so many things, but I didn't have the ability because I didn't train certain things. And so they came up and I was like, all right, I got a handstand walk. Well, I haven't done this in a few months. Like yeah. this is going to be interesting. Hmm. Um, and so I think from 2014 to 15, I was like, I really wanted to like just improve on myself and do better. And I, there wasn't like a pressure, like I have to go. It's like, hey, like, I just want to do what I can. And we ended up moving that year to El Paso. We lived in El Paso, Texas for a year. And actually when the workouts came out for regionals in 2015, it was strict deficit handstand pushups. And I literally like started crying. I was like, well, I'm not going back this year. But it's like, I think in my mind, I that's a movement that's so tough and restricting for me that it wasn't gonna happen. But then I actually, that was I was at practice and I, I did okay, better than I thought. And, um, and it's interesting because I think we've talked about like my sister, she passed away in 2008 and it was like, not that I was able to channel her in that specific workout, but it's like, I was only able to do like two or three rounds in training and then I almost got through it at, at regionals and it was like, man, like maybe I just took that, whatever I thought I couldn't do and like put it to the side and say, just do whatever I can to get out there. And then I qualified again and I think I just continued like, I'm like, I want to get better. I want to, I want to qualify again. And I think you just continue to do that. And not just going through the motions, but it's like I want to improve. And then obviously in 2016, 17, I didn't improve on the my my ninth place finish. But it's like, hey, like I think I'm still capable capable of it. I just kept pushing and pushing. And I think it's something that I've wanted, like not again, not to prove to anyone else, but just for myself. And I think this past year, where we took a step back, mm -hmm. and we've looked a little bit more, kind of not just like, well, let's train and do the same thing going forward, but like take a step back, like what are you really doing? Like why are you really doing this? Like okay, I want to help people. Well, why do I want to help people? How am I going to help people? It's like, well, I know I need to help myself first reach my goal, yeah. but then how can I apply that going forward? Right. And so I think this is kind of, this has been, this year has been like a, I guess maybe like a turning point and just being a little bit more aware or connected in a different form or fashion. That's a really, uh, a, from a coaching perspective, that's a really masterful uh, approach to the whole thing and it's rarely talked about because everybody wants details on programs what exercises did what mm -hmm. what was your timing and blah 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 blah. that shit to anybody who has ever generally accomplished anything would laugh and be like oh, that stuff doesn't matter but yeah. to step back and, and this might be interesting how do you guys approach a, a coaching relationship because <laughs> it is so tight-knit and that can go so terribly wrong oh yeah. it's fun man uh, <laughs> fun's relative <laughs> Uh, it's been really tough. We've so we've had to like split like our personal relationship up, and then we have the coach athlete, mm -hmm. and then most recently in the past year and a half has been like the business where it's like the mm. wine and the programming and everything that we have online. So, so we have these three different relationships, or yeah, three, three different relationships that we have to kind of like make sure we separate. And it's tough because when we're in the gym, it's like okay, it's just coach athlete, but there's been plenty of times where it's like he's like I'm just talking to you as a coach, but it's hard to like not be like connected personally sure. and it's like all you hear is you suck i was gonna say i feel like we all have experience with that because yeah. you've coached aaron i've yes. coached alex you know what the hardest thing is though is it's it's gonna sound weird sorry so the hardest thing, i'm not used to this stuff sorry um but Wait, the hardest you, you don't like a foam piece of black thing you <laughs> don't like a, a flaccid so, black thing in your face so like the the, the the sympathetic system right now my heart rate's going i'm nervous now but um You're sweating. The, the hardest thing is really is being too much of a fan to her you know yeah, yeah. like i've caught myself like backing off and and not pushing her hard enough and this year was basically i can't do that man i gotta be an asshole at times and like it's really easy for someone to text me and tells me something and i'm just an asshole i'm like because that's what they need at that point they need boundaries right yeah. and 
when you're gonna have to you're you're gonna try to have sex later it's not gonna work so well in your favor if you're <laughs> if you're an asshole all the time do it yeah. better do like it that. faster yeah. so, wait are we coaching right now or? <laughs> yes so, we're but, coaching. but you know what i mean like so you know this if you don't push her to that limit she's never gonna win the games yeah and, you have to explore her potential yeah and so, in order to explore that you have to test some failure right? and you can't be a fanboy at times it's hard and yeah. you're just like man i don't want, i don't I, and you see her struggling and crying and whatnot and it's like fuck this sucks and it sucks for me too my heart breaks you know sometimes but that's the hardest part the easiest part is actually telling her hey you gotta fucking do this <laughs> once you once you're past that you know i don't know if that made sense but oh 100 yeah i think that you know you see her in a different light because you guys are you have a romantic relationship and it's hard to see someone struggle and i've i've watched michael break down in races before and you know you just have to know that they can do it and step back and like let them get through it and let them deal with their own you know brain and their own head and space and it's hard it's hard to watch yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is like it's hard to be on you're almost on the same journey with like a significant other like you're mm-hmm. on the same path you're together you're dependent on each other but at points you really do have to let them be their own person mm-hmm. especially under hardship which is the hardest thing to do because the mm-hmm. first my first reaction is to take any of the like things that i can yeah. take any of the damage whatever that is if it was a a physical thing i'll run it for you i'll do the thing for you and as a coach that's a very difficult thing to be like if i don't let you do this it'll actually hurt you down the line yeah and that that to realize that and then Okay, even if, especially when the verbiage comes out and it sounds harsh and it, it doesn't sound like the person that you're in love with or whatever that mm-hmm. thing is, um, that's that's hard to mitigate. Is it, yeah. it, it rarely works out. I mean, for the most part, I'll coach her for very few things. Um, but uh, then when I watch her at actual competition, I know that that's for the best. Yeah. Because we, you know, I know where my limitations are, which is like... A, I can't shut up. <laughs> so that, if you haven't noticed, yeah, it, it hasn't any indicator before this. That's funny. Um, that, I just thought that that was. A I'm actually thing. happy that Alex answered that because I think when people see couples that coach each other, athlete relationships, athlete coach, they only think about it from the athlete's perspective because you're the one getting yelled at or like being told to do better or like yeah. I know there's praise in there. I know there's a lot of that. Yeah. But I don't think people think about it from the coach's standpoint of like you're actually in your head all the time thinking about yeah. like, oh, I love her. I want her to do better. Yeah. She's hurting. I like just stop. Let's go home. Yeah. But you need to figure out ways to like say the words that need to be said at that time. Yeah. And just, sometimes it's not always the nicest thing in the world. It's a serious thing, man. Like this is her goal, you know, and, you, and you're you're partly responsible for, for that goal. And it's a lot of pressure, stress sometimes. You know, you wake up at two in the morning and it's tough. And you know what's funny is like you see a lot of athletes that are in it for the wrong reason and you see a lot of coaches that are in it for the wrong reasons. I think those relationships don't work out because the coach is trying to prime himself up and this isn't about the coaching, it's about the athlete, you know what I mean? And Oh, you just described 90% of CrossFit yeah, coaches. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, so I try to stay back, I try to see what we need to do, I need to assess the situation and then I need to figure out how to communicate that to her. It's going to be different than how I communicate to Roy or Whitney because I could just tell him just fucking do it. But then I, <laughs> but with them, I'm like, oof. I mean, with Margot, it's like, no, I got to approach this the right way tonight because, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to see, you know, that's, and that's interesting that I just thought about this. If I speak like that to Winnie, I'm not going to see the, what it does to her when she's at home by alone. I, and that, and that's kind of a deep fucking thought shit. <laughs> All right, podcast Guys, is over. I got an apology to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. 
but I'm, for the most part, you know, they they both they all need that. It's just how do you continue to communicate that through the relationship at night yeah. yeah when you're trying to and make i think food that's and, being yeah. able to kind of like again like clo- kind of close that door say all right cool like we're done and it's tough because like when we're around each other we can bring it up or we can talk about whatever coaching or anything business re- coming up re- like related wise which is good but then at the same time it's bad since like you're never like stopping that so then it's never that break from like all right cool we're going to close that door on the business mm-hmm. and the coaching aspect and just have our personal relationship yeah but it's, um, I think that's where it's like, obviously we've done it for so many years, we've kind of gotten to a flow that works, so it doesn't work, but it's Successful like, compartmentalization. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot of hats to wear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, so also I think that if you screen your athletes, right, you know, um, and you have that psychology, nutrition, and then mobility, and you, and you can see who's really actually gonna follow that, mm. you don't have that big time discussions that much, you know, it's like 90% of this is really fun um it's just like and 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 they're open to you know some something new or whatnot and this kind of comes back to identifying that person that has already been willed to change Mm, and they're open for it and this is a really weird subject as a coach because in this uh, we're touching on kind of multiple subjects but it's all part of one big picture um, that i look for and I, i warn people um because i don't accept clients anymore that when they are looking for a coach the first thing to look out for is somebody who wants to call themselves your coach. Yeah. Like that relationship is so intimate and so um, developed over time, mm-hmm. not just a, hey, I gave you my monthly dues, you're now my coach, now you can post all my cool highlight reels on Instagram and show everybody how cool yeah. I am. Yeah. That that needs, I think people need to be aware of how damaging that relationship is because it's just one that's based off of profiteering. Yeah. yeah. And the actual like development is, uh, it's what you guys are talking about. It is headaches and it's yeah. very thinking deeply about how you communicate with somebody and being affected by, oh, I did the, like the coach taking responsibility from doing the wrong things. And one of the things that we learned on doing, you know, these very, you know, high dollar projects is that um, if it succeeds, it's not your fault. And if it fails, it is totally your fault. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the, like, we're talking about a profession that you should never get recognition for because if you did it properly, the person that you got to that level will shine mm-hmm. and you deserve none of it. Yep. And if it breaks down and that person doesn't live up to their potential, something happened behind the scenes. And that that is a real issue. And there's very few people willing to take that that responsibility. But that's really what we're talking about. When we're talking about like especially at the level that you're yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. I mean, there's the the way I see it is there's only one podium and there's only room for one person, you know, <laughs> and that's and that's and that's the athlete that grinded, mm-hmm. you know, that that suffers. And you need to understand when you're making a mistake, whether it's communication, whether it's physiology, whether it's adaptation of the volume, whatever it is, um, you need to correct those mistakes. You need to apologize and then just keep going because this is a fucking big deal. This is their goals. This is what they want. This is what they struggle and hustle for, and it has nothing to do with us looking good on Instagram, you know, so. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, um, we watched, uh, it was a All or Nothing about the oh, Cowboys. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Coach uh, Jason Garrett at the end was saying, you know, like it's it's all me, like it's all on him that the, for the reason they didn't make the playoffs. You know, it's like, it's was it the driver that he said it's the driver's yeah, fault? The driver, He's the, the driver of the, the whole cruise ship for all of them and it was all on him. And I was like, man, like, and it's tough because, like, I know we've had discussions like this, and it's tough because it's like I want to be able to deliver as an athlete. I want to be able to execute. And if something happens where I'm not able to execute to what the plan is, I'm like, well, that's on me because that's what I needed to do. We got everything ready up until this point. Execution is now on me to be able to go and deliver it. But it's like, it's obviously like I'm not going to kill myself over it or like bang my head against the wall. 
uh, and I, obviously I would never put the blame on him. Cause it's like he's done everything that he has had to do on his part to get me to this point. So it's like, I think I, like I see both sides of it. And it's like, I, I my, myself, like I would never blame the coach. It's like, I, I have to hold myself responsible. And I think that's where it's like, you're putting your ego to the side. It's like, oh, I'm this haughty toddy athlete or coach. It's like, man, like you take yourself out of this environment and you just go to the airport or the grocery store. You're just <laughs> another human being. Like what makes you so special? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Oh makes, Jesus! <laughs> what makes you so special compared to someone else? You know. You just gave me a great segue because I've been trying to figure out how to introduce this story into this <laughs> podcast. Um, That's hilarious. So one thing I hate, and I don't know, maybe I'm cynical, maybe I've been around too many of them, but I hate like the facade that people create on Instagram where they're like this amazing person because their bench press is high, or they snatch a lot, or they have six abs. <laughs> or they wear a savage swimmer bathing suit in every photo shoot. Like, <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, my God, like, you're such an empowering person. Like, thank you so much for everything that you do. And they don't really do anything. And behind the scenes, they're actually really fucking shitty people. Yeah. Um, before I met Alex, when she went to the games in 2014, um, and this is kind of where I fell in love with you guys. Oh, you're going to make me cry, man. I know. <laughs> Come on. So you guys were at a Whole Foods, and Alex was in line. And she had like forgotten her wallet or whatever she oh, does yeah. her all car of was the declined. time. Yeah, yeah something like, like that. that. Yeah. And she had no coach, nobody to help her out. Like her coach at the time had fucked her over. And she's just standing in line trying to pay and it's not working. And you guys were behind her. And without even knowing who she was, aside from maybe watching regionals, you guys paid for all of her food. Yeah. And I thought that was fucking amazing. And that's when I was like, oh, there actually are like amazing people in this sport. Because at that time, like the athletes. We found the two. We found the two people. Because at the time, the athletes or coaches I had met, I was like, oh, you guys are like totally in this for yourselves. And like whatever you portray online or in your videos, like isn't actually who you are at all. And I think you guys are 100% who you are all of the time. Aw, thanks, Thanks, man. We love you guys too. And now you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a pretty we, solid we can, story. We yeah. can hug later. We, yeah. we do have, oh, we, we do have a thing here that, that um, well, it's, we try to think about what a, it's not like a mission statement or, or a thing, but there, there's kind of um, a requirement for belonging or, you know, to, to stay because mm-hmm. a lot of people are welcome. Um, not a lot of people are welcome to stay. And that <laughs> Let's go. that's okay. a great tagline. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and what it's based off of is this this idea that you and it's very simple. You, you just give more than you take mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. in every sense of the word, whether that's from an environment you give more to the environment than you take away from it because we're not looking for succubuses. Uh, succubuses. We're, we're looking for um, people that acknowledge that this pot of whatever you call waning motivation, uh, community, whatever the hashtag is that goes along with it, that that thing uh, is finite and that it's exhausting. Like it, it, these resources are exhausted quickly mm-hmm. as you guys have found out moving in and out of different gym spaces. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, where do you find the energy? Where do you find the, the the part of you that keeps you going or finding the people that keep you motivated? And because we, we respect that so much, we we try to always pursue that part of it. And that, that seems like a really good example of what I, uh, and most people think of it as the money sense. Like, oh, well, I pay to go to this gym. And like, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, That keeps the lights on sometimes, but that is not what we're interested in having. What we're looking for is for physical effort and then this gets especially in this topic of fitness uh effort isn't confined to the gym in fact it like in and i would go even further and say that strength is rarely expressed on a barbell like real strength we see it more in 
uh, in the mental strength that's required to start businesses and mm-hmm. to hold up integrity for ideals and to do something you know, in public that would get you ostracized or to not act a certain way on Instagram because that gets you business because you want to actually, um, you know, not do the easy thing of projecting the thing that you want to be seen as. Instead, yeah. you're, you're, you're actually showing what it's like to be something or be in an industry. And though that that's hard to uh, vocalize to most people because um, they're interested in the very superficial parts about this existence they want to make the most amount of money which you can't blame somebody for but with that comes generally with tearing other people down and the same thing to say of any goal like hey i want to make it to the games um can you do it without tearing other people down can you do it without taking advantage of people can you do it on your own power can you do it without harming other people or you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like that that exchange you know the energy that's needed to pursue something that takes a cost everybody that you come in contact with. And I think what Keegan described as briefly as how many people are poisonous is because they just don't understand. It's not that they're malicious. They don't understand the off gas of the environment that they, they are in. Or they mm-hmm. don't understand the cost of what their actions are on a given population. They think, oh, if I just go in here and do my thing, it's my thing. Mm-hmm. And they're very selfish in that point of view. And I think realizing that whatever room you're in, wherever you interact with, um, if you give more than what you take away from it, you will be helpful, no matter if you were actually physically helpful or not. Yeah. No, I think that's spot on. And I think it's something that, I mean, I've, I, my mentality is like, I think everyone out there is innocent and good hearted people and genuine. And then, oh, like no one would be anything like that. Like no one, th- no one would be mean or anything like that. And it's like, I don't think that's the best mentality. Like it's tough because it's like I'm like, oh, everyone's gonna be nice, just like me. Like everyone's like gonna treat others with respect. Like why would anyone like hurt anyone else? And Alex has taught me kind of over the years is like not everyone's like that. And it's like I still it's a default that I go to. Yeah. But I think you have, you have to be aware. And I th- I agree. Like you do you should want to give back more. I think for myself it's like I'm trying to give back as much as I can to as many people as I can because I think it's important. And in the bigger picture, it's like what like at the end of your life, like, were you able to help people? Were you able, like, if I can help, even if I can just help one person live a healthier life or a better life or do something that that they feel good about giving back, then I'm like, cool, man, that's awesome. And we've we've definitely come across a lot of people, um, not only in our time together, but even like by myself, like, in growing up and like being around people who are like, man, like, you're not a good person. Like, why would you treat someone like that? Like, or why would you do that? And it doesn't make sense in my mind. But to them, like, they don't care. They don't give a fuck, like, who they hurt or what they do because they don't have any genuine care on giving back or giving more than they should take. They're more about taking. And it's like, mine, 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 mine. Mm. So like, my new rule of thumb from previous experiences grind, is... Grind, hustle. That's what I... If <laughs> people go out of their way to tell you how good of a person they are, they're usually a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you want to give back. Uh, are most of the people that you work with now... So right now, yeah, it's mainly just everyday people that want to get better. Like well, we don't have a physical space because we were we've been in Southern Utah. We're possibly we on the move now. Three athletes. We have three athletes that that we're working with <laughs> now. Um, well, I'm so I, jealous of that. <laughs> so there's three <laughs> like three main athletes that Alex has been coaching, um, and those are competitive levels at like CrossFit. But then we're also working with people. Um, through the, the blog like through the blog and through the online program to say hey like 
we're doing actually doing a transformation we're like hey like alex is sharing you know we're sharing what we're doing what we're eating not so much me but also him in terms of his uh his nutrition but it's like we just want to help people and for me it's like i've always had that desire and it's tough because he we've talked had conversations like how how do you want to clarify like how do you want to help people i'm like i just want to help them like you know possibly make a better decision in their life possibly get them off the couch if they've been on the couch all year i don't know because it's tough because it's like i i love to motivate and inspire people but it's really hard because it's like how do you actually motivate and inspire people am i actually if what i'm saying people tell me like oh yeah you're so motivating inspiring but i'm like it does it have some action or reaction or some sort of implement to follow up with that like i don't know it's tough like i want to continue to push them to be their own person but again it has to take their own will and I just think it's tough because I think when my sister passed and not being able to help her like like find her way or like help her from not like being an accident like I can't go back and change that but it's like maybe that's that desire to continue to want to help someone because there's one person I couldn't help but maybe there's other people that I can help yeah. it doesn't have to be just health and fitness it could just be life or it could be sure. however they are in their space or in their environment but it's like whatever I can do to get them to say hey like I'm going to make a change in my life for the better than awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think that you guys are good examples because you are in the public eye and people are watching you and you are motivating and you are inspiring and your journey is inspiring. But at the same time, you guys help people who, you know, might not be as capable or as able as you are now at this point. Um, and it's, it is fun. I, I do nutrition as well. And I think it's fun to help people who are literally coming off the couch and mm-hmm. you know maybe walking their dogs 10 feet outside of their front door is all the fitness that they're doing right now yeah um, and I find that those are some of my favorite clients and sometimes you do have to step back and you know take a second look like maybe this person isn't top of the line athlete and look at all the tricks that they can do but you're helping that person on like a quality of life level for sure like totally agree you're improving their their everyday life on a different level that you know maybe someone else hasn't ever taken the time to do. And mm-hmm. That's a really good way to put it. What what differentiates elite athletes from normal people is like, look at all the tricks that they can do. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> can you walk up a handstand ramp? Yeah. yeah. Or or and this is <laughs> a. It's really refreshing to hear somebody um, say, "Ah, oh, we have three Three, I'm coaching three people right now. Because since 2010, I've maintained <laughs> that I can only coach one person at a time. It is yeah. fucking exhausting. It's hard. Yeah, like, if it you is. are really... Now, I can write a lot of programs for mm-hmm. people. I can mm-hmm. tell them to do some workouts. I can give a lot of advice. That's not coaching. <laughs> it's like it is being ingrained in somebody's life 24 hours a day and dealing mm-hmm. with the like absolute absurdities that you would um, being that close to somebody in order to get them to where they deserve to be. So th- yeah. that in the first respect is is really refreshing. Um, and to Aaron's point, the trick thing is funny. Um, yeah, it's entertaining. I mean, as a coach, you're like, wow, look at all of the stuff that this person can do, but you know, stepping back and like learning the psychology of you know, maybe helping their mother-in-law you know, have a better quality of life is, has become more of a fun project for me. And it sounds like that's something that you guys are working into as well. And I feel like it's almost more rewarding not that it's not rewarding for other coaches and other people, but I think I remember when we lived in California before we moved, there was this lady who'd stopped by the gym. She saw me doing some workout. And she's like, oh, ask me what cross it was. And she's like, you know, I really don't ever go to the gym. I just I just want to be get, I want to become a little, little stronger so I can pick up my grandkids and pick up a gallon of milk and not have it feel heavy. And I was like, holy oh shit. My, yeah, like, holy shit. Like, 
that's like okay like but it puts a lot of things in perspective like a lot of people aren't going to be going to the gym maybe they're at home like if they do anything it's maybe walking their dog or mm-hmm. taking their I don't say their cat for a hike but they don't take a cat for a hike that but, would be uh, that, probably that crazy lady that has 50 cats exactly. and that's a workout 50 cats on a hike oh my gosh yeah <laughs> but it puts things in perspective and it's like hey man like let's just get you like the ability to pick up your groceries or your grandkids and like be able to move things and just be functional at a level where you don't need to rely on a cane or anything else and it's it's tough because i remember my grandma she got hurt in 2016 uh, and 2015 2016 we moved back to montana to help her and my mom and and she was i think 94 at the time and she's probably the oldest in there but she looked like in the best shape and mm-hmm. she doesn't do the only exercise she really did was like walk out to the mail and then walk about like maybe walk around the house or like do maybe a little bit of gardening on the outside but it's like man it's just having a little bit of something in your day-to-day activity to like still be alive and have a presence i guess that kept her kind of and then she's very resilient as well but i think that kind of put things in perspective yeah i hope so (laughs) be a centarian pretty soon exactly yeah Uh, that is something that people don't um think about when they're thinking about fitness they're usually thinking about like how do i get laid this summer like oh i'll have a six-pack i'm a super tan yeah um and your point to like this longevity piece and and it gets i get torn this way because most of the people that you want to help that are close to you you can't help Mm -hmm. because you're close to them and that becomes one of the most frustrating things that you could ever see and you have to know how like how to pass that off to people that can help them like to get them better environments to to change and when i say that like all, I, all I'm referring to is that I think that you can incite change. Like it, motivation and inspiration are a start, but I think what is more impactful, what's been more helpful to us is uh, a normative process. Mm-hmm. When people understand that training an hour a day hard is normal, then they're more likely to do it. And that's yeah. what one great thing that I, I could never take away from CrossFit is that they have shown millions of people and they've gotten millions of people to train very very hard mm-hmm. without any other reward to it other than the effort itself mm-hmm. and that's something that you know um any other fitness organization i haven't seen done yeah. and that, that's something I'll, i will attribute to them and, and when people uh, want to bash them or talk about the intricacies of crossfit and how they're disappointed or go off on the like black box summit and all the good people that they've whatever the thing is I always have to go back to a they've done more good than harm mm-hmm. yeah always and i could pick apart you know the things on like we could go over aerobic whatever um but that that takes away it, it it's not helpful anymore and yeah. that's one of the things that um when we describe you were talking about the philanthropy of um kind of this whole deal like because it does feel very good to help people change their lives and, mm-hmm. and to reverse them i'm a little bit more misanthropic about it <laughs> <laughs> but um there is this this i don't and i can't even describe it but there is this essence that once you can help show well a i'm not trying to just help people because i think um i'm not equipped to do that but what i do want to do is hang out with people that aren't liabilities i I, like i want to make people (laughs) dangerously capable yeah and then i want to like them to help me yeah right like that that's why i like i want keegan around all the time because I know if I can help him, he will help me back. Yeah. And so it is a self-serving thing, at least but in, it's in my mutually purpose. beneficial. And yes. I think that's really important because we've talked about a lot recently about mutually beneficial relationships, mm-hmm. whether the personal business, like however you're looking at it, but it's like 
it, it should be a two-sided road not just one side like oh just give me give me or give you give you like it needs to be balanced mm -hmm. and it should not always is that the case right. but i think that's really important because one it's going to be satisfying for both parties and then you're on the same page it's like hey i'll help you because then you're going to be helping me mm -hmm. and we're working for the greater good whatever the goal or whatever the aspiration that those two people or parties have mm -hmm. i think that's really important but it's like again you don't see that very often like that good quality people that you come across it's very few and far between but when you do find them you're like cool i want to hang around them we've traveled together and by ourselves numerous places and it's like you can find those gemstones of people mm -hmm. hidden here and there and it's like cool i'm gonna hold on to you like those people are I'm like man i do not care if i see you again or like i don't need to pass pause with pass pass paths with you again yeah um but it's again i think it's really eye-opening you know and i think again if you're in tune to that then you recognize it. Other people are like, do to do, like have no clue. Yeah, it becomes a lot. As travel, I think, and this is why this is one of the things that we push people to do is like to get out and experience things in realms that are completely uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I got forced into it. It wasn't, and again, it's the environment that I was in put me in situations that I probably shouldn't have been in. Yeah, and I had to adapt. And that adaptation has been one of the like life changing remarks of what you know that turned me into who I am. And some of yeah. them were, you know, go to this country and fucking figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like you, you meet people that you have no idea what you, what kind of person you'd be without them. Mm -hmm. And then you meet other people where you know exactly what kind of person you'd be if you let them influence you. Yeah. And there's this like, yeah. this like That's mitigating thing where you're just, you know, floating through this world and, you know, taking the good ones and shedding the bad ones. And I think, um, there's so many good people out there worth learning from and that's what we always push people to do like yeah. uh, oh like and that's one of my our favorite things to do is actually to just travel drop into a gym and just do what they do meet the and if we like the environment we can learn from those people totally. or we can decide really quickly oh this is a dead end yeah. and that's okay too like yeah. not everything has to be inspirational you don't For have sure. to no, not everything is a benefit i think that's a great point because then you realize like all right that's something you don't like or don't really mesh with you so you're like cool like i'm not going to come here again or not going to spend more time here mm -hmm. but at least you know because then you can kind of change your path or go different from there mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah that, and that's that's um that's what competition has been for us in the past few years as opposed to like an excuse to travel yeah it's an excuse to travel that's and it's, awesome it's you know it gives us you know something to aim for yeah but it puts us always in a place where we have no idea what will come out of it and that's cool almost through and through every experience has ended with more friends uh less enemies and way more pictures to like talk about later that's like awesome that, that's generally that's really our cool. feeling whether you know i and if people uh, like would ask like, oh, why do you spend so much time getting fit? That's annoying. Like, I'd rather just go. I'm like, hey, we don't spend that much time. Like, hey, th this is not hard to do. Like yeah. what you're doing, I go, ah, oh, fuck, man. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> that. Like that's dedication to a level I'm just not prepared for. Yeah. Um, and it's admirable. But in order to prepare for something doesn't take more than an hour a day. You can yeah. experience the world on training for an hour a day, mm -hmm. in most cases. Uh, yeah. Will I, you win? Probably not. Will <laughs> Will you do okay? It depends on how well you prepare. Yeah. Um, but that experience will lead led to other experiences, and that, that's been really good for us because we compete together. Um, so cool. Which is a different aspect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's good because it, you you see all forms of it, and and it's kind of like if you really want to know somebody, coach them. If yeah. you want to know somebody through and through, be on their team for something. 
Because at their worst, that's the person that you're with. Yeah, I'm learning their preparation methods like before they go and compete. Like I know now, and it, it actually took me quite a few years to learn what Michael needs before he prepares for a competition. Like while we're at a competition, like he needs his space, he's gotta get his head together. For me, I'm like, I need to bounce around. I need to go to the restroom 20 times. I Squirrel. Bend Squirrel. Like, that's, that's awesome. I think awesome. if we're both a little bit respectful of what we need during those times, like, makes the experience a lot better. Yeah. It took me a long time to learn. <laughs> that's cool. But awesome. you kind of have your own little space, but that's what works best for you guys. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I have to psychologically manage my physical incapability. However, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good at qualifying. He's good at competing. <laughs> I'm terrible at qualifying. <laughs> we have a strike a nice balance. Well, yeah, a little balance between one and the other. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. We're, um, we're getting ready to do qualifiers for a competition in Switzerland. Oh, nice. Nice. Actually, I yeah. won't tell you about it because then maybe you'll come. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Switzerland. <laughs> Germany. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, you awesome. got. You're not allowed to qualify. No, You'll beat oh, us out of the I'm ring. Good. We need every advantage we can to, in order to get over there. <laughs> That's super awesome. Is it like a full weekend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. it'll, it'll be two or three days. So most of them over there, and that's the shocking part here that I was surprised about. When we went over to London uh, for a job, of course, we're looking for something to do. I'm not going to bring my bike, and I'm too fat to bike anyway anymore. So we look for CrossFit competitions, and I was shocked at how organized they are in yeah. Europe. Like, really? they are. Everybody knows about every single one. There is a place to go to figure out about them. They are high paying. They are. Like 17 grand. Whoa! On, yeah, seventeen thousand euros for like. Get over there. Seriously, oh my God, that's crazy. and fun to qualify for the <coughs> the ability to travel in Europe is super easy. Yeah. When we came back here, we're like, no one knows. And I don't even know that I have not seen a flyer for a competition that everybody has been telling us about for four months. Mm -hmm. I know it's happening. Yeah. I still don't know the date. I don't, and I don't know where this information is getting put. That's nuts. But it's not at the gym that it's actually being held at because we go there every day. <laughs> like, wow. It is bizarre how unorganized this is. And that that is really weird. So if, if you haven't, look into it because that kind of changed my perspective on it too. Um, it's a little bit warmer over there, like personality-wise and, really? and yeah. com competitive-wise. Yeah, it's, it's Even in France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's more friends figure. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It's really bizarre. I didn't I wouldn't have think that. Super fun too. Are Actually, they? yeah, and they're a little bit more I wouldn't say more endurance based, but a little bit more endurance based. Longer so, workouts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the most fun. Fun. Or swim to the bottom of a pool and drag a dummy out. Yeah, oh that one was my favorite. So it was a dummy oh, swim. Oh, is it really a event? A dummy swim. Oh my yeah. god. meter swim carrying a where was this at? It's in uh, Nice. Oh and there's God. the other part. You're in the south of France after. So you just like. So you just yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, well, that's that crazy. becomes the amazing part. Yeah. That, well, there's been some, some, there's been yeah. some fun events. Oh, my gosh. That's, it so like, blows my mind. You mentioned briefly something about a vineyard. Yes. So this is what I was trying to branch into is efforts not always being the gym. This Being seems outside. like a major effort. Yeah. So the we have a southern in southern Utah, that's where the vines are at right now. Mm -hmm. They've been there since two thousand eleven. Um it's I've gone a, it's a great farm. A great farm, yeah. So it's a great farm. That's um, the Cardenas vineyard? Yeah. <laughs> Cardenas Wait, vineyard. say it. Cardenas. Cardenas. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, I've gone back every year to harvest. Um 
And then I brought Alex in 2014, and we would go and harvest for about a week. Nice. And then in 2015, we're like, hey, if we want to make something happen and we want to do something more with this, we need to actually be here a little bit more. And so in 2016, after the games, we're like, all right, let's we'll come back here. We harvested. We were here there for the entire year. And then we ended up staying. We're like, all right, well, let's actually build a business for this. Mm. So we did all the licensing, got everything signed, set up for the California winery license. Mm. Um, the the cal the federal license actually took a lot longer than the California state license, mm. but we got all that set up. We have a production facility in Paso Robles where we'll custom crush all the grapes there. Um, we are 2016 was the first like year that we sold, and that was last year at the games. So we launched 2017 in the games. Yeah, it was. Um, to say the least, a very hectic, busy year because we were trying to rush to get everything happened. Mm -hmm. And it actually was last year, this time, we had just, we literally, like the weekend before regionals, we got the license to like, for really? everything. And we're like, oh my God, it's awesome. But like, all right, we got to focus on regionals. Right, right. So I didn't even get to like fully engulf with that. But um, we brought the game, the wine to the games. We bottled in June. Yeah, right? we bottled in yeah, June. So we yeah, went from was, regionals to bottling. Yeah, from regionals, like three weeks later, we bottled in June. Um, got everything set up. We had the wine shipped out to Wisconsin like end of July mm -hmm. and making made sure it was there before the games. Nice. And then we launched at the games. What's the uh, wine called? So it's called the Vineyard. It's a play off of the vineyard. Right. Um, and we have we have five different labels. Um, four of them are like blends mm -hmm. and one of them is a single varietal Zinfandel. Uh, we wanted to really focus on like a story on each label mm -hmm. and creating a unique label was really important. So we talked to a lot of people, both people that love wine and people that have nothing to do or know, have no knowledge of wine. And for a lot of people are like, man, like I'm just going to buy wine based off the labels, which we've heard plenty of times, but I think it was really important to find like a story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to like create a story. So we made sure like the labels all each had a story and something unique and different about them. I thought and it was super cool you guys named a bottle after me, so thank you. Goat. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so one of our bottles is, uh, our labels is called Goat, greatest of all time. It's actually in a hawk bottle. Mm. Um, that's been a crowd fa favorite. Like, people love it, one. I think one, because of the name, <laughs> two, the bottle, and it's just different. And then we have... Um, it also tastes good. <laughs> it also tastes very good, yes. It's a, a strong, petite <laughs> Syrah blend. Um, and then another blend <coughs> we have is a Granacha Tempranillo. So people that like from Spain, they love like mm. blends, especially that type of blend. And we named it Cheerson after my sister. And it's one of her last paintings that she did before she passed away. And like, a lot of mm. people love the label. And it's just, I think, it's kind of a memory for her to be able to share. Like she loved wine. She loved cooking. It's like, let's share that with everyone. And then another one is... Um, it's uh, the, actually a, a back of a picture of my back and the vineyard, and you actually can see um, it's Colob Canyon, right? Colob Canyon yeah, cool. in the background a little bit. Cool. So it's kind of cool because we wanted to kind of show, you know, our biggest thing in the beginning was like, you know, look at this amazing product that can come from Utah, but people think Utah, like, yeah. like wine from Utah, like. Uh, but the South is probably pretty good for it because yeah. you get a frost, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like the. Yeah, so it's actually great weather, great climate. And in Tokerville, which is like 15 minutes from yep. us, that's where the Mormon church had actually contracted a German winemaker to make. 1860s. Yeah, 1860s. Yep. Um, contract the German winemaker to make wine down there. And so there's the old, like literally you're driving through like Tokerville on the way to Laverkin and you can see like the old, someone lives in it now, but it's like a historic little building. That's where they had all the winemaking. They had the winemaking and everything downstairs and then the, the, the family lived upstairs. Yeah, a lot of the infrastructure from, uh, you know, was taxed from alcohol, cigarettes, and uh, yeah, and, and tobacco, liquor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Liquor and tobacco. And yeah. so it's interesting story. We found out recently that um, the when they first moved to Utah, there was three brothers. And so they had one brother focus on was it i think um like restaurants mm. i'm sorry this, sorry, this is nevada nevada because we were actually working to get in nevada um 
that's a different story. I'll get there later. But um, <laughs> but I think uh, with Utah, it's it's it was a great idea we thought at first because it's like man, there's so much opportunity. Like look at this great climate. But I think like just the mentality of like all right, with wine and alcohol, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is the goal for us is to build the wine and the brand and like kind of show that balance in life and that balance in like moderation of what you're doing. And that was actually our newest label with moderation. It's a 500 ml bottle. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the goat bottle, which is a hawk bottle, look a little mini bottle, but we wanted to promote, you know, like not everyone's spending six to seven hours a day in the gym. They're maybe training a day or an mm-hmm. hour a day. And it's like, not everyone wants to drink a bottle of wine. And people have said, oh, of course they do. I'm like, well, not everyone. Yeah. But it's like, we wanted to show that balance between, hey, like you can work out, you can have an active lifestyle and you can drink a glass of wine or two or share half a bottle with your friends or family or whoever. And that's something that obviously just getting that mentality and bringing that out there more <coughs> has been um, has been a focus of ours. And it's just, I think it's, we bottled this last, last bottle in, uh, was it May? No, March, in March. And so, uh, we're uh, we're hoping to get that out here in June, actually. So I think it's um, yeah. There's a lot of kind of moving pieces to it. Well, what about the because I'm a fairly detail oriented person sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, what was it about wine, like the process, or was it just you wanted the result? Like, what was the thing that first attracted you to? Like, that's a huge endeavor, first of all. Yeah. Like, it's a it's a large difference from being like I really enjoy wine. Yeah. To I'm going to fucking make it. Did yeah. you just like it so much? You're like, well, if I make it, I just have it. You're right. Well, I, so I was actually named after Chateau Margaux, which is a region in France, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny. My parents named me after that. Um, so I feel it's like always been in my, my kind of like our family. But I think going down there every year and harvesting and just putting in the physical work, like harvesting the grapes, hauling them off, then driving them and getting them crushed to the custom crush facility, it's like all that hard work that you're putting in, there's that reward. Like you physically see the reward. Like, yes, you get to drink it and enjoy it, but I think it's real rewarding because it's like, it takes time. Like it doesn't just happen overnight. Like the vines need to, to blossom. They need to bloom, they need time under their belt. But then it's like harvesting everything. It's, it's long hours. Like if it was just Alex and I on one row, it would take us like eight hours for one row. So it's a lot of, I think, physical effort and physical work that you have to put in and you have to be patient to do all that and like not try to rush the process and i think that's what i really enjoyed and it's like man like this is cool and people are like man like that's a long time harvesting and like we've talked about it. it's like you have to plan for it you have to like uh, acquire all the, the time or resources to do all that but it's like i kind of like it like i Wait, like putting that work hard work in so are you talking about bottling wine or training for the games because <laughs> i'm confused now harvesting grapes <laughs> So harvesting grapes for sure, like that would it would take a long time. Um, we it, would spend, I mean, it's August through beginning of October mm-hmm. that you're harvesting, obviously off and on. But it's like all that time you're putting into it. Like I enjoyed it. Like you're doing maybe forty percent in terms of intensity, but it's like ten to twelve hour days. It's funny the parallels harvesting. that I'm drawing in my yeah. head between yeah. training and what you guys do for the wine. Do you yeah. Any business? Come down and check out your vineyard. So we have well, there's in terms of like just checking out to like. We've had some people stop by. There's actually a funny story. Last year, a guy from, was it Austria? I think it was Austria. He came to, him and his girlfriend came design to like check it out. And he does CrossFit and he saw that we had a vineyard. He's like, I just want to come by and work out. I was like, well, we don't have a gym. We just have the garage gym. He's like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. Yeah. So he came by. We did a workout. One of the gym, like local gym members came and worked out with us too. And then we harvested afterwards and he just like, he was uh, loved it. Like just yeah. was like enamored, I think with the whole thing. I think obviously being in Europe and being able to see what's over there and then coming over here, I think that was really cool for him. So the, 
the the big to answer your question though our goal now is to to just grow the brand you know we spent a lot of time going back to our conversation earlier about giving um there's a there's a time where you have to look at your future and also kind of see what you're investing into and we figured that this would probably be a good thing to do for us for ourselves for our kids if we ever had any so we just figured hey let's do this and see where it goes um as you start to learn the business you start to understand that there's tons of wine you know just like the fucking coaches we talked about like oh mine's, <laughs> mine's the best system mine's the best wine it's kind of similar um, things that are happening and it, it, it doesn't really matter how good your wine is if you can't move it so yeah. our, our goal is to to build the brand and yeah. then just purchase grapes from uh, California and, and then figure out what the next move is but as t- in terms of the vineyard or the grape farm in Utah we're, we're probably gonna we have someone that takes care of it and we're just gonna move on to uh, probably Las Vegas or Sacramento or maybe possibly and just continue to try to grow that brand. Right now that's the most important thing is growing the brand and trying to get the product out there. Yeah, it's it's a very saturated market and I think when you get into it, you start to realize where it's like you need to have like two million dollars to do a one million dollar project mm-hmm. like we don't like, have two and million. we don't have two million dollars <laughs> so it's it's interesting yet. like yet, mm-hmm. yeah yeah um like i love being able to share a story and share what we're doing to be able yeah. to like give back and just share with the community but it's like well obviously the brand like if you guys know of orange swift mm-hmm. the wine yeah so yeah, i mean yeah. what he's done in terms of building his brand and his labels and a lot of people know of his wine because of his labels not that that's the only factor it's good wine but I think for us, it's like building the brand and getting that message out there, like not only with the wine, but like the that mentality, of like train, like work hard, mm-hmm. play hard, mm-hmm. enjoy the journey, enjoy your life. Because it's like at the end of your life, you know, are you going to look back and reflect and like say you had fun or say you enjoyed it? And so if we can promote that message and get that out there and be able to share that, not just within CrossFit and not just within fitness, but people that have an active lifestyle that got out. Maybe the only activity is hiking, but it's like, hey, man, you got to go hike for 10 hours. Awesome. Come back and like have a glass of wine at the end of the day. Enjoy it with your friends or family or significant other. So will you guys be going back in August to harvest again? Because uh, so, if you are, I'll for sure be joining you. <laughs> well, that's that's what we're the, the dilemma. So the the next thing is to see if she qualifies for the game. It's looking like she's going to win this region, to be honest. But we'll see what happens. So after um, this weekend, when we come back on a Monday, haymaker on you <laughs> just now. You just got coached live and in person. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that if the numbers didn't oh, show it. But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the goal is to win the regionals and then qualify, obviously, for the games and go back. Um, and then the games will be the beginning of August, and so then we can evaluate, all right, we don't start harvesting until middle end yeah. of August for the Reds, so we can figure out from there what we're going to do. But the next we, project is what was what we're working on, and if we can get that started, then we'll probably just have people uh, pay for people to harvest the mm-hmm. grapes um, just because we need to start focusing on that brand growth. Yeah. And yeah. So we need to figure out where we're going to do that next. And then and that it, becomes, I, I think that's a part of, um, you need to offset some of the things. The fact that you guys know the whole process through is mm-hmm. telling of everything that you guys work on together. It's like you've seen it through from the most minuscule, mm-hmm. you know, what uh, the All Blacks would call like sweeping the sheds. Like yeah. every, all the best players know exactly what the grunt work is. Mm-hmm. And therefore they're able to do the highest stuff because they understand the mechanisms involved. But eventually there's only so many hours in a day and you yeah, have to offset some yep. of this workload so totally. that you can understand the rest of the process. It's, Precisely, it's yeah. telling that, you know, A, this is not a fast, <laughs> this isn't a startup. Yeah, like, no. hey, I need some funding from Silicon Valley. Like yeah. this thing is following a path that actually has all the ingredients to make it actually a lasting brand. Yeah. That's that's cool to, to see from, from this point. Well, plus you guys care about the experience. Like I've heard you say a couple times, like we want people to go out and experience life and come back and 
have a glass of wine and you know share that experience with someone else and you know that's actually one of the reasons why I got into cooking because oh, nice. my whole life awesome. I watched my dad and like that's how he gave love and that's how he was hospitable to like guests and family and friends as he would that's cook cool. for them and share like that little piece of himself with people that we care for and it sounds like you guys have that pretty meltdown. Yeah. Have a cool story. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. I think the experience piece is huge. Like you get to yeah. share that with people like, you know, we we as humans we kinda not everyone in every place, but like you come together to like have experience or have a moment together or have a create some create some sort of memory. And I think it's like, all right, however you do that, everyone's a little different, but it's like I think that's something that at the end of our day or end of our years or that's something we look back and like, hey man, like I had some had some cool experiences. The, yeah. Yeah. the other side of it too is um if we don't really push this product in a couple of years amazon's buying out every brick and mortar store right now so <laughs> and and what's happening is that yeah. they were able to go around the alcohol regulations because they just basically buy a brick and mortar and they can deliver from every city so if you live in dallas and you want wine okay well instead of ordering it from us you can order it from dallas Online, yeah. in an hour you get it right so if you're not in distribution you're in the trouble in two years because these guys are moving fast so um that's something that a lot of the old school winemakers aren't seeing you know they they're they're not seeing this taking over and that's something we have to worry about so our price point has to come down and we have to produce more yeah Crazy. i feel like that's very american like when we were in oh Japan, yeah yeah you know, we would go and look for that restaurant that had been there for hundreds of years for sure and, you know look for that vineyard that was like generation passed down from generation mm -hmm. to generation and like that's what we wanted to buy from and that's where we wanted to eat and we yeah. wanted to see that culture and you know that's a that's an important um lesson and message to, to kind of pass on is yeah and i think it'll revert eventually like it, yeah, you have to be aware of the system mm -hmm. that's involved but one of the like the notable thing it is very mediterranean that the experience that you guys are talking about mm -hmm. is the fact that you know uh, in in spain they'll they'll bring you the wine they'll explain the vineyard they'll talk about the yep. owners they'll give you the whole experience of yeah. where it came from its lineage and all the things that are involved into it who gives a shit what it tastes like you just had a story like right. you, yeah you took you partook in an oral tradition of, yeah. of sto storytelling totally and the same thing but that culture um needs to be appreciated a little bit more here um when yeah. there's this restaurant that's in uh it's called Le Curie mm -hmm. and it's in Nice and we went there once we had a great time they they sell uh, profiterole, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like puff pastry with like homemade whipped cream, that and sounds ice. it's out of control how good it is. Um, so good. Well, we were there exactly a year later, and we were walking past it, and the lady came out, and she's like, "Aaron," and we we're like, "What no in the way. fuck?" She ran out and gave me a hug. That's awesome. And kissed my cheeks, yeah. And she like she knew our names. So, and she was That's like, "Come here, I have a table for you. This is the thing." And you're like, "This is not taught." Like this is That's somebody incredible. who cares incredibly about their guest's experience and they're getting something from it. Like we shared with her why we're there and what we were doing, blah, 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 blah. And it was interesting enough to make her job worthwhile. Yeah. And she wanted to repay that the second she could. Right. And like that culture, like that, I mean, you, you would melt if anybody did that for you. And yeah. I think people, they, they do worry about this technological monopoly takeover, uh, mm -hmm. but there is something inherent. Like there is, uh, when we're talking about, this is really weird, we're talking about like uh, artificial intelligence takeover and yeah. like all these systems that are in place <clears throat> that where mm -hmm. humans will be null and void. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, kind of, because a machine can't replicate that. Like yeah. a machine can't take you through a process and give you mm -hmm. what it feels like to be part of a story. And that's 
that can be built on and the fact that you identified that and you've just shared that show like tells me all that i need to know about it'll be fine like amazon can't replicate that yeah um and that's something that i think i wish people would seek out is that experiential part about uh a story like i want to feel that and that's one of the things that we have in common when we bring people in here if if we ask a like this is my telltale is i'll bring up a ridiculous workout um, what and it, it could be anything like Murph. yeah I was talking about triple I was talking about triple yeah. Murph one time I was like oh you know I I can't do it weighted because it's gonna hurt my shoulder um, <laughs> just the weight on the vest would be weird and I was like oh, I'm not gonna do it weighted so I might do it three times like in a row and stack yeah. it because I've done it twice and that's not bad at all yeah and so I was talking about doing a three and then Mark's reaction was like oh god this sounds terrible how do you think you're going to break up the pull-ups? And I was like, bam, I got <laughs> you. Like, I totally <laughs> got you. Yeah. And this is why we're friends right. is because after being disgusted by what I was going to do, you then put yourself in that situation because you 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 secretly want to experience that. Yeah. yeah, You really do. And I think anybody that has that resolve to A, do the hard work, to harvest or whatever the the al- uh, the, the metaphor is there, um, they, they really do want to feel, my first thought was like, man, I wonder what that, that's like to work on a farm for three months in August. Yeah. Or like yeah. three months in the fall. It's brutal. I'll t- I'm sure that <laughs> yeah. it is. I'm sure it's way worse than what I can imagine. Cause you know, the, the, so what makes it, sorry, sorry. Yeah. What makes it really hard though is the, the, there's 50 states within the states when it comes to alcohol. So there's mm-hmm. 50 different states that tell you the 50 different things on how you can bring the alcohol to their state. Right. Mm-hmm. So the only one, the most, and it's crazy to me, the most liberal state is California. They say, yeah, do whatever you want, which is so weird. Cause you know, they're, Control. A little different than guns, I take it. Yeah, ain't happening there. So, so that's what makes it complex. We're in France, Spain. You know, you, you don't have that big brother kind of thing staring at you down and saying, "Hey, you can't do this here. You can't do that there." And yeah. that that's what's really frustrating. Because if we could do our thing, then you know that wouldn't be an issue. But the bigger companies understand how to go around it. As you know, and yeah, this came up on another subject. Yeah. Is like if if you're a full time bureaucrat mm-hmm. paper worker, yeah. you can get things done. And this is how most government contracts work. Is like, man, if you can figure out the the paperwork, you're ahead of most people because it is blinding oh what it takes to get through a, a mm-hmm. process. Yeah, it, it really is stifling. It's I mean the paperwork is pretty much everything that it comes down to. It's like, okay, you got to fill all this out. You got to have extra copies of this. Got to sign here. You need extra paper. I'm like. That's why I go back to Amazon, right? So they had, they had, Amazon had a, a Amazon wine, wine, right? Amazon they had, and they, wine. they got rid of it. Why? If you really look into what's happening, they don't have to have that because now they're buying brick and mortars uh, and they have distributors. So the distributors can put their stock there and then they can just stock the stores as they need to, you know, where I can't do that. I have to talk to. You have to, to find an individual distributor for each different yeah. state and then bring it in but they obviously want their piece of the pie so then right. they want to up the price so then by the time they get it to the store it's three times the price and it's like if you're trying to make a little bit or anything for what you're trying to do it's like no one's going to buy a bottle for that much in terms of like oh all right 50 dollars a bottle it's like nah like you've never heard of this wine like why would i <laughs> yeah, buy it would be a it's great like, or a, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. crossfit gyms need to get liquor licenses for sure and <laughs> stock your wine one exactly. per state you can sell it that way yep. yeah nice. that'd be ideal. you're welcome <laughs> There's your, he's your angel investor. Yeah, you're going to be our, our <laughs> marketing guru. Uh, but my thought was for harvesting this August, if you guys are there, is we do something stupid like ride a bike down there. <laughs> do that for a few days and then ride a bike back. And then halfway through riding there, you can tell me how dumb of an idea that was. <laughs> what time? Yeah. I'm sure you can tell me that right now. But yeah, That's the only thing idea. that sucks about that is that I 15 is not the best oh, road gosh. to ride. No. You know, you don't want 270 miles of that. 
that <laughs> there are some sketchy <laughs> spots how, on that area yeah there is and it's just not worth writing but I, we can think of something <laughs> it's not worth to death but might yeah but south uh southern utah there are really dumb things to do down there that yeah. i'd be glad to get into yeah there's a lot we're, of great places yeah cool Adventure. Love it. yeah <laughs> the dumbest things we could yeah it'd be do. it'd be fun for you guys to drink our wine and hang yeah, out and cool talk to check out yeah to tons down. of yeah tons of places out there to go check out and do dumb stuff <laughs> for sure over the 90 minutes i know you got to get training in um because you have a big competition yes, coming up in a couple days no. to, to win specifically yeah yes, specifically uh, so i'll do this if you do win i'll release this on the day so everyone can what awesome. called it <laughs> called and if it. not we'll just quietly edit that out yeah. <laughs> no that's all good that'll be good um, that's awesome I, I'm excited to watch you compete thank and you. thank excited. you guys so much for hey, coming on I appreciate thanks. it especially us. just as a you know third party like hey come on and speak into this microphone with people you don't right. know no it's awesome always, Super always, it's always fun awesome like we'll, we'll have you both you guys back real soon yes cool. definitely cool. thanks awesome. for the opportunity where can people find your wine oh so the vineyard.space is our website they can go in there order some wine we can ship to most states dot space is dot a url handle yeah because yeah. i'm we cheap. haven't been that changes everything that you totally just opened a whole new world of yeah. trouble <laughs> we'll explain after the podcast well, I, okay. I, <laughs> awesome. I did the website it was cheap i made it for like 40 bucks so dot no, space was, was open and i was like all right cool. well the vineyard.com was already taken so yeah, yeah. it's cool dot awesome. space yeah. yeah thanks guys thank you thanks.